Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of Pairing. It feels like this is a milestone, even if it's not really. And so to celebrate, we are releasing an episode with one of my favorite people, Sarah Shackett, talking about one of my all-time favorite TV shows, Battlestar Galactica. You probably know Sarah as one of the head writers of Wolf 359, and she is, in my opinion, one of the more understated geniuses in the world. If you have any interest in writing whatsoever, you should listen to whatever Sarah says, because she sure as hell knows what she's about. There's really not a ton of wine info in this episode, just because I got so caught up in talking with Sarah about this show and listening to her insights and admiring her intelligence. This is one of my favorite episodes so far, to be honest, and I'm so grateful that Sarah agreed to talk to me for an hour. You'll also notice that we recorded this episode directly after the episode with Zach Labresco, and you can hear him in the room in a few choice moments. Also, disclaimer, we recorded this as well as the Macbeth episode in a hotel room in Lower Manhattan, so there's some ambient noise and I hope you can forgive it because the content is just so enthralling. Before we begin, I just want to say, holy cannoli, there has been so much generosity the past day on Patreon. Thank you to our newest patrons, Jessica Tuckwood, Neris Howell, friend of the show, Ariel Sarah Levine, and to our first advanced, aka producer-level patron, Mara Zobrist. You all are the epic drum soundtrack of our high-stakes Battlestar life. Thanks to all of you, we have surpassed our first goal and we are well on our way to meeting our second. If you'd like to help us reach that goal and get rewarded for it, come visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast. For as little as $1 a month, you will get access to exclusive content and patron-only blog posts. For $3 a month, you'll get access to audio extras. For $5 a month, you'll get customized pairings from me. For $10 a month, you can join us for monthly live streams. And for $25 a month, you can join Mara and be thanked in every episode. And Winston will also record a cover of a song of your choice. We're currently sending folks their customized pairings and setting up a live stream, so now is a great time to come check us out and help us reach our goals. If you don't feel like you're up to a monthly pledge, totally cool. You can also shoot us a one-time donation via our website, thepairingpodcast.com. Or if you like the show but don't want to spend any of your hard-earned money on it, which is totally cool, you can write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. It's totally free and will only take a couple minutes of your time, but it has a monumental effect in moving us up in the podcast charts. Even if you don't listen to us on Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone and you open up your podcast app, search for pairing and write us a review, that makes so much more difference because apparently Apple is the podcast platform that runs the universe. Anyway, if you could do that, that would make my day. Otherwise, just follow us on the social medias. I love getting feedback and ideas from all of you, and believe me, if you've sent me a request, I'm working on making that episode happen, so don't worry. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast. You can also follow Sarah, our guest for this episode, on Twitter at Sarah Shackett. And for that matter, if you don't follow me, you should. You can find me at The Great Dilemma on Twitter and Instagram. Lastly, just a couple quick disclaimers about things that we talk about in this episode. First of all, Apparently, I can't go more than one episode without talking about Angela Osborne. As you'll notice, we recorded this episode a, a good while before some of the other episodes that I've already released, and so I couldn't remember her name, but I do reference her. Angela Osborne is the winemaker in California who primarily works with the Grenache Grape on her Tribute to Grace project. Um, I've talked about her a lot. 
I'm clearly obsessed with her and her wine. Uh, but I forgot her name in this episode, so I feel silly. Um, so sorry, Angela. And second disclaimer, I referred to a grape in this episode that is a genetic cross between Cabernet Sauvignon and Grenache. That grape is Marcelon. It will make sense later in the episode, and I'm sure we'll talk about Marcelon more. But anyway, that's what that's all I've got before we dive in. Thank you all so much for listening. Without further ado, here is episode 10, Battlestar Galactica. All right, so here we are back here again. This time I am joined by the amazingly talented Sarah Shackett. Hello. Hello. Um, writer on Wolf 359. That's how we met, except we actually met in college. It turns out we probably took at least one we class We probably took at least together. one class together and just did not know. Yep. Yep. But we, but we discovered so we retro, were... retroactively. Yes. Um, and so Sarah is going to talk with me about one of my favorite shows of all time, Battlestar Galactica. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. So Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Another one of my favorite shows of all time. That is, that is, that is from the office. Uh, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> there's a laugh track. There's a laugh track too. I love it. Joined We're by... already off to a yes. amazing start. Amazing, amazing. Um, <laughs> so. So we're we're drinking the same wine that I was drinking with Zach Labresco as we who's still in the room who's still in the room he's the laugh track for this <laughs> yeah. I'm behind be quiet now yeah yeah <laughs> so um, so this is a Corsican wine I did not pick this um, for for talking about Battlestar Galactica yes I was I'm very just... curious about what you would pick besides human well, tears yes which is. <laughs> I think the preferred thing oh my that god. goes with oh my god that wait goes with there's um there's totally a wine that I had recently that like meant tears That's salty? in some or... well there are wines that are salty like that have a little bit of salinity like uh-huh. a Spanish Albarino often has a little bit of salinity to it it's a white wine coming from Galicia in the northwest of Spain mm-hmm. and it's right on the coast there and so you often get a little bit of a like saline component to that. I am um, just fascinated by the adjectives that I'm learning I know, right now. I know, right? The things we use yeah. to talk about wine. It's like um, the structural um, ingenuity of doing a year jump between seasons. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a thing that Battlestar Galactica does. Yes, yes it is. Um, And also, speaking of, you know, like, words used to describe things that feel a little forced sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best things about Battlestar Galactica is how they got around the, like, explicit thing with with frack. Yes, Um, one of the, in the proud tradition of, uh, I think, Battlestar is frack. Um, mm-hmm. Is this an explicit podcast? Yes, it is. Okay, so yeah, Battlestar gets around f bombs with Frack. Mm-hmm. Farscape does Frell. Oh, uh, right. Good Place has innovated with Fork. Oh yeah, I love um, it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, this is it's it's wonderful, and I am firmly support because it, it oh, makes me it. Oh, too. It, I think it makes it funnier. Absolutely, like, it makes it funnier. It makes it more 
believable in a way like once you once you accept that like okay that's the word then it actually makes the show more believable i think like because people are freed to sort of use the intensifiers in their speech the way people talk exactly so it feels more organic in a weird way even though you're using a made-up word exactly um just like there are natural and organic wines um, oh my gosh <laughs> oh my god what is, this is this is just I'm, too easy i'm i'm in awe like we need to stop yeah <laughs> so the connecting but, tissue is too i much. know it's too much it's um, too it's too easy yeah should we maybe but, talk about what battlestar galactica is yes let's talk about battlestar galactica it's a television <laughs> show um that uses made-up profanity because it mm-hmm. takes place in a sci-fi universe that begins uh, in this uh, solar system that has sort of 12 planets. A human civilization has grown up around them. They all have sort of names that are tied to uh, Greek mythology and the Zodiac and and that that sort of thing. Um, And they are an advanced civilization um, that has built a race of of sentient uh, robots. Um, They're called Cylons. Uh, the Cylons eventually rebel against their human masters because, you know, we can't create anything that isn't flawed. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, the True. show, the show actually, uh, is, there's four seasons of it and a miniseries mm-hmm. that uh, opened the series, and then there are a couple sort of spinoffs, um, prequels, uh, TV movies, that kind of thing that are all in that orbit. It was originally a show in the '70s. Um, and we are talking specifically about the reboot mm-hmm. uh, helmed by Ron Moore um, that ran from 2004 to, I think, around 2009, 2010, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, so the premise is that uh, our own creations come back to do what any responsible AI would and destroy all humans. Uh, and there are some human survivors from a massive... Cylon attack that are now on the run looking for a promised homeland to call their own called Earth. Oh, whoa. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I already have so many wine connections to make, mm. but I'm going to, I'm going to try to, try to refrain uh, from, from, from geeking out too much. We're talking about two of my favorite things. Uh, yeah. No, so it's, I could, I it, could is, geek it out. is just going to happen. It is. It's um, organic. It's natural. Yeah. It's natural. Um, <laughs> so... And I just wanted to to say one thing. Um, I don't think this is giving too much away because you pretty much find it out in the yeah. miniseries. In like 10 minutes into it. In like ten, 10 minutes into it, the Cylons look like humans now. Yes. That and is, so... there are there are robot, like sort of uh, metallic bodied um, and like sentient ship robots, mm-hmm. um, the Cylons. And then as the prologue to every single episode of the show lets you yes. know... Now they look like people. Yes. And they have a plan. But do they? But do they? I think they have they, a plan. They kind of do. In, in like the same way. I, I That the writers have lost had a plan? Well, that, that writers <laughs> have plans. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like exactly. I, having written um, or you know, worked in a, yeah. in a writer's room on a podcast, I have so much more sympathy for the Cylons right. plan. And also, and also on a show that very, very similarly was like there's conspiracies there's something there are things going on that we don't understand and and i personally i mean i'm biased but i i think that the way wolf 359 dealt with everything it set up and then 
brought it to a culmination. I think you guys did an amazing job. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, we and had, I, we had a lot of help. Well, <laughs> you know, I ostensibly wrote a couple episodes. She did write brought, a couple episodes. Don't brought, listen to her. I brought, I brought, uh, ghosts into it, which was always fun. Always fun. So, yeah. um, but so anyway, bringing back to Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Um, so the, the the first thing that popped into my head, thinking about Cylons mm-hmm. and you know our own creations and like, uh, I guess this this is more scientists creating creating robots. Yeah. But I was thinking about like genetic modification. Sure. And that is a thing that happens in the wine world. Actually, there are some grapes that are literally genetically modified and genetically created. So um, are they are they modified to like, like to to taste a certain way or to have certain qualities or yeah. to just like be heartier. Like what is, what is the end so, goal there? So it's complicated. and I don't exactly know the answer to it sure. except that, you know, there are certain, everybody likes wine Yeah, and, or maybe not everybody, but in general, people really like wine and really, you know, drink a lot of wine. There's a worldwide demand for it. There's a worldwide demand for it. It's certainly helpful economically. Um, and so the, the, the grape that I'm thinking of mm-hmm. is th- that's most famous, um, in this sort of, you know, genetically created or artificially created is a grape called Pinotage in, which is from South Africa. Okay. And so in South Africa, they create this grape Pinotage, which is a blend of, Pinot Noir and Cinso. And when I say blend, I mean like the grape itself is a genetic yeah. cross. It's not like a wine where you'll have 50% Pinot Noir grapes and 50% right, right, right. Cinso grapes. So Pinotage is a grape that in general I'm not super fond of. It tastes kind of like burnt rubber, um, cool. <laughs> which is which is kind of cool. And I've actually had some that are good and and kind of interesting but they're very smoky they're very kind of like peaty yeah almost peaty in a way that's weird yeah they're totally weird i wish i wish that i brought one i actually haven't had any in a really long time because i had so many that were just bad sure that that i kind of got over it there are a lot of bad cylons but exactly there's a lot of bad cylons there's some good ones but there's some good ones just like there's (laughs) bad pinotage and good pinotage (laughs) And, um, so, so, so that's a connection that I make and that's not the only one there's, um, oh man, I have to look this up, but there's another grape in France. That's a blend of like Mm. Cabernet Sauvignon and Grenache or something like that. But the, you know, where they, where they genetically cross the grapes and, and, you know, and so maybe the grapes are just going to come to get the attack of the killer grapevines. No, I don't think so. But, um, (laughs) but that, that, that's the first connection I made is kind of like, is yeah, the sort of engineering of things to be either more useful or I, I would be curious if like different ecological conditions Mm -hmm. are making genetic Mm -hmm. grapes more valuable or likely. I, you know, I don't know the answer to that in terms of these grapes that are like genetic crosses, mm-hmm. but in terms of like the industrialization of the wine industry, um, that was a little bit of a, of a repetitive statement, but, um, but it, it really has become an industry Sure. and there are people, there are people in the wine world who are very committed to keeping it as more of an art form or, a, or it's a viticulture. It's like farming sure. who want to keep it more natural, who want to keep it cleaner. And but then, then there's Franzia. Exactly. There's Franzia. There's, and then there's other big wine companies that are just trying to create 
the same thing mm-hmm. year to year, the consistency of product. And in order, in order to do that, it, it's such a large scale operation. And like, I get it. I get why they do it. Mm-hmm. People want their, you know, $5 bottle of wine. I understand. I don't have a lot of money to spend on wine either, but at a certain point you're like, oh my God, there's so much crap put into these wines right. that w- once you realize that and understand, like I think Forensia has like ar- arsenic in it. There, The the, the study that came out a few years ago. Like, I've, I don't think I've ever had Franzia, so this doesn't really matter <laughs> to me. But. I, you know, nothing against Franzia. It has a, a soft spot in the heart for the Tour de Franzia. I mean, do you think that's good for the immune system, though? Just like a little <laughs> bit of arsenic? I mean, Princess Bride rules. Right, right, right. right. I mean, you I mean, slowly true. build up an immunity. Exactly, exactly. I mean, Maybe that's what Franzia Rule number one, was never start a land yeah. war in Asia. <laughs> Rule number two, drink a little bit of arsenic. Every single day. Every single, Every single day. You heard it here first. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Back to battle, sorry. <laughs> and that actually, this, like, that... This inter- interjection has been brought tension. to you by... Uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zach Barsko. The um, best. And that is, that is fascinating to me um, as someone who thinks a lot about storytelling mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. how there is this inherent tension when you are making a television show between more artistic pieces or stuff that stands out and the sort of need to tell a serialized story episode by episode Absolutely. and have it feel of a piece and feel fairly consistent, even though each piece of it has a slightly different function and is doing something slightly differently. Right. And the wonderful thing about Battlestar is I think it both, um, you know, it, it has these movements and each season sort of feels like its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um but it is masterful at sort of weaving its themes and like really putting characters front and center forward and just letting that guide the evolution of the show. Uh, and they do a really, really good job of serialized storytelling. We were joking about Lost earlier and nothing against Lost, but there, right, are, right, there right. are shows that sort of fall down on, on the consistency angle and it's mm-hmm. important um, for any show, whether you're you know making something that's a little bit more standard uh, cop show, hospital show, whatever, or something that's a little bit weirder and a little bit more genre. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I like what you were talking about, sort of this balance between between artistic integrity and making something commercially accessible. Yeah. And unfortunately, if you want your work to be successful in pretty much any art form and even other, other parts of life too – there has to be a certain element of accessibility to it. And often that means following certain like tropes and guidelines and the way, the way that you can kind of play with those and be creative with those, I think is where, is where certain shows really stand out like Battlestar Galactica, I think. Right. As long as I think, you know, understanding the intent that you have in creating a story and understanding sort of the expectations that the viewer or the listener or the, drinker is going yeah. to have going into something totally is is part of the craft um and so when Battlestar Galactica sort of has this reputation for being kind of brutal and ruthless and bold mm-hmm. um and not pulling punches and you know having choices be impossible or having choices be like there's no good outcome or there's just a cost to whatever you do um that's important and it's part of what makes the reboot really good. Uh, they also like just have defend the fort episodes and have yeah. like, 
you know, here is an episode where we're going to like have a day in the life of a normal person. Like they, they do, they do the trope stuff and it's great. Exactly. And, and those are some of my favorite episodes sometimes. Yeah. Like those, but, uh, that's all very eloquently put. Um, so just to talk a little bit about the show itself and For maybe sure. some, some of the characters. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, there are, there's, there's the drums, there's Bear McCreary's music. Yeah, yes. That's Bear the McCreary's first character music. I'm going to mention. Uh, you have to make it to season three, at least for Bear McCreary's uh, cover of All Along the Watchtower. Yes, which it's... is, for my money, it is the best version of All Along the Watchtower. I, I would argue the same. For a long time, it was my most played on iTunes when yeah. I when I would only listen to yeah. iTunes. It was it's just it's uh, but so the score good. is just this this vibrant beating heart. It at the really center is. Of the, show. the music is actually I think more than any other show I can think of right now. The music is like its own character. Yeah, as and it's well. yeah essential to the drama in a way that it is. you know some scores like help they lift up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know they can be sort of iconic or you know there's late motifs that sort of signal when something's important to a character but like on Battlestar it's just its own force it really uh, it really really is but um, yes there are actual characters there aren't oh, yes. just yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> beyond uh, just the music yeah uh there is we sort of follow um as I mentioned before sort of a human fleet of ragtag survivors mm-hmm. including a Battlestar, a sort of uh, air, sci-fi aircraft carrier analog thing um, that has a commander, uh, William Adama, played by Edward James Olmos. Um, we have, I know, you stop fast. Um, and sort of a crew of uh, support staff. Uh, there's this boozy ex, uh, executive officer, Colonel Ty, who's the mm-hmm. second in command. We have sort of the maverick pilots um liadama who if you were smart and caught like the yeah, name yeah he is, yeah he is in fact the son of the commander and there's all sorts of wonderful family tension there mm-hmm. is kara thrace call sign starbuck who is the played by the amazing katie sackoff um hotshot pilot extraordinaire yeah. uh you have support officers you have all sorts of people uh you know the jet chief uh chief tyrell and his crew uh, you also have civilians and the uh, the poor <laughs> secretary of edu- education who becomes president of the colonies because that's how decimated the chain of succession gets yeah. uh, when Cylons nuke all the human planets. Uh, and her name is Laura Roslin. She's played by Mary she, McDonald, who is she's wonderful, amazing. She but is I, when I rewatched one of my favorite characters in fiction. She really is, and when I when I rewatched Battlestar about a year ago, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, Mary McDonald is like one of my favorite actors. She's so great. I think there is like a thesis to be written in the choices that she makes when she ta- puts on and takes off her glasses. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh my gosh! Like, she's she's amazing. Um, she's amazing. And the other amazing civilian person is, oh, he needs no introduction. Doctor Gaius Baltar, Gaius played by Baltar. James Callis, who uh. needs to be making more things. He really does. So we we all went to Dragon Con last year, we did. and and the year before. You might have gone the year before that. I didn't. I but, did go the year before that. But, yeah. But the past two years, there were Battlestar Galactica past panels. Past three years, there were Battlestar panels. Oh, amazing! I it can't wait so for the, 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 the <laughs> next one. <laughs> they just uh, need to keep. Doing they just it. need to keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I remember uh, James Callis was at this one last year, which yeah. I don't think he was at the previous. No, ones. he was not. And um, he was so charming. 
Oh my God. So yeah. soft spoken and like really, I mean, I we really were, just like a compassionate, really like compassionate, interesting dude. And seemed very um, sincere. Yeah. Uh, like very completely different from his character. Right. Who is sort of this very sleazy, uh, egotistical, brilliant scientist um, who may or may not have compromised the security industry. Yeah. Uh, the nations and destroyed all humanity. Shrug. Um, and who uh, is visited uh, by uh, a vision of, of a woman that he uh, was involved with and now was probably a Cylon agent who was mm -hmm. stealing secrets from him and the vision of which now also might be an angel from God? Yeah, it gets uh, it gets unclear. The the whole religious I, I actually like a lot of the religious overtone or like the, the way that they play with the religion. The way that they play with religion um, and mythology. Yeah, and sort of I think is very you, smart. I mean, one of the, the wonderful things about Battlestar in general and I think just a, a mark in general of great storytelling is that it will expand your capacity for empathy. Mm -hmm. And so what mm -hmm. Battlestar does is it sort of puts you in an odd spot where the good guys are a polytheist of a polytheistic faith mm -hmm. um and the bad guys are very uh religiously uh devoted monotheists mm -hmm. uh and it just you know it, it puts you in a place where you sort of have to examine the complexity of of how people move through the world and how they make choices uh and Absolutely. No one exemplifies that more than Paltar. Um, oh my God. Who makes we were, all the wrong choices yeah. for all the right reasons and all yeah. the right choices for yeah. all the wrong reasons yeah. and is just a hot mess of a person. Exactly. And I love him. Zach and I were just talking about moral ambiguity in, mm -hmm. in talking about Macbeth. I think another character that personifies yes. moral ambiguity is Gaius Baltar. And oh my God, just so much fun. Just so much yes. fun to no, watch no, no. him. He's much more fun than Macbeth. Oh, wait, way more yeah. fun. Way more fun. Uh, um, he can be a very silly, and, and Callus throws himself into the slapstick of the character with just heroic uh, conviction. He really, he really, really does. Um, so those are those are most of the main characters. Right, and I we've also say. got our, um, our Cylons, um, who refer, go to, refer to as like their model numbers. So the one that right. Baltar is involved with is six. Mm -hmm. um, played by Trisha Helfer. Played by Trisha Helfer. Amazing Trisha Helfer. Yeah, she's amazing and gorgeous and all that. Yeah. She's always wearing a red dress. She well, is. Well, not she always, is. but I, that's her iconic look. Cannot have been fun shooting in Vancouver. Oh my God. Um, oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although a lot of it was inside, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I hope. Still not fun. Yeah. Uh, and there's the eights, uh, which uh, played by, oh gosh, Grace. Grace Park. Grace Park. Thank yeah. you. Um, another Cylon that uh, shows up as a sleeper agent in several capacities yeah. and eventually ends up um, involved with uh, one of the human pilots, um, Carl Agathon. One, one or one or maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she she is one of my favorite characters, and I I love which what one they... Boomer or Athena. Well, both of them. Well, okay. I, I mean, okay. I wasn't I wasn't gonna give it away, but I, there will be a spoiler warning for this episode. But so, I think that was one of the things that really drew me into the show to begin with. Was you know, you get to know her yeah as two different people and, and yes and, and she plays them very differently she does and I, I and i i love it 
So that's it, it's yeah. just it's so there smart. are and they 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 are on parallel journeys and sort of end up in the same place. We have uh, Boomer, who we know mm-hmm. by the end of the miniseries is a silent agent, mm-hmm. and she doesn't. And so you know it's played as this this tragedy of of a person who. Is just trying their hardest, but you know that they're going to come yeah. up short in some fashion. Yeah. Um, and boy, does she come up short. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's sort of programmed she, to come to, up short. She, yes, and, and, and at a certain point she ends up uh, shooting uh, Adama. He's fine. But yeah, he's fine. Yeah, don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. He's fine. But uh, And uh, Athena sort of doesn't have that commitment and doesn't that have that trust. She knows, she knows she's a Cylon. She knows she's a Cylon, and she knows she's you know won't be counted as one of the group and so her journey is one of finding that trust and that conviction and joining and and being a part of something yeah yeah Um, it's just it's so smart the show is so smart it is so (laughs) smart and really and just like subverts expectations and it's it's so great so now i'm just trying to think how to tie this into wine again yeah um with is Talking there... about Boomer and Athena, sure. Like as like two sides of the same person. There's also there's also in 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 wine as with many things there are clones of grapes. Ooh, and so you can. I have, did not know that. Yeah, which is pretty cool. That's pretty so, cool. So you know, like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are two of the most famous for having different clones of themselves. Okay. Um, and so and I can't come up with the names of them at this point. Well, what is that like? Does it? Is it, it... They're slightly different, okay. you know, so they can taste slightly different. I mean, there's the whole, you know, there's terroir, so depending on where the grape is grown, the soil conditions, the weather, all this and yeah. that, it, a, a grape is going to taste different. So, like, Pinot Noir tastes different in Oregon. That is something I was going to than... ask, because I know with, like, whiskey, it really depends on the water of the region. Absolutely. Um, and so, so for wine, it's less about water, it's more about... It's more about soil, huh. which has to do which has yeah, to do sense. a little bit with 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 water as well. But it's you know soil, weather conditions, you know elevation, sure, um, temper, you know base base temperature. Gotcha. Some some grapes grow really well in a place where there's a, a big shift, which we call a diurnal shift. So where it's really hot during the day and really cold at night. Hmm. So like in a desert, a more semi desert climate, there's higher shifts, um, and then there's and then there's grapes that like a really consistent climate and so it's or they they just grow differently depending on where they are um but so so i'm one thing i was trying to think of is like a grape that has there's also also what's really fun is certain grapes have different names depending on where they're grown so for example the grape mouved okay which is a blending grape usually in the rhone valley in France mm-hmm. is also known as Monastrel in Spain. Huh. Pinot Grigio is known as Pinot Grigio in Italy, Pinot Gris pretty much everywhere else. Same grape, but tastes very different depending because on Because of the it's... conditions of how it's grown. Exactly. Huh. And um, and I'm just trying to think of what the right right pick for... For the for, model number eight. For, for model number eight yeah, would be. Depending on where it is. Yeah. And I kind of want to go with, I think I'm going to go with Grenache, which is actually the primary grape in, in this wine. Drinking. Oh my God, ah! it's so perfect. Um, I feel like, I feel like eight is a very Grenache, mm-hmm. <laughs> very Grenache Cylon. Um, and <laughs> so, so Grenache can be known as Grenache or Garnacha. In, in Spain, it's known as Garnacha. 
Um, and in France, it's known as Grenache. Anywhere else, it's sort of up to the whoever. Yeah. Whoever. Um, and it, Grenache can be very, very simple, kind of light and fruity, or it can have a little bit more complexity to it, kind of like I think this one yeah, does. Yeah, this, I mean, I'm and, not good at tasting wine, Oh, it doesn't but, matter, but... but yeah, it, no, it, it's, 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 uh, there's like a... We're tasting the wine. Yeah. Yeah, it, there's like a richness to it. There's but. a richness to it. There's a couple different layers of what's going on. Yeah. Like at first you're like, oh, this is nice and light. And then you're like, ooh, but it's, oh, this this lamp keeps turning off. It got it just got darker. Just like the plot of Battlestar Galactica. It just gets darker. It just gets darker This and darker. is true. Also, just quick sidebar for uh, Grenache um, I, that I just wanted to finish with. Yeah. Is, um, there's actually a producer in California in Santa Barbara County. I forget her name. I forget the name of the winemaker, mm -hmm. but she she makes a couple different wines. One is called Tribute to Grace and one is called Folded Hills, and she works almost exclusively with Grenache and which is really cool because it's kind of a weird grape to work exclusively with, especially in California. There's not a ton of Grenache from California. Um, but she she works with them uh, she she makes a bunch of different wines that are just made from Grenache and they're mm. all really really different and um, and so that's that's kind of cool. Much like Cylons, which are exactly. copies, but each one is different. And there's there's this weird. I love how they play with the fact that these are collective people and mm -hmm. sort of individual identity doesn't mean as much as it means to humans, um, but they are all distinct. They are all distinct. And they make distinct choices. And yeah. and they have they have this sort of some of them sometimes they have an awareness of what the other models are doing, but oh, not, yeah. but not always. But not always. Yeah, and it's very wibbly. It is it uh, is a little wibbly, but I'm okay. I'm okay with wibbly. No, they handle as, it well. As long as you handle yeah. it well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Winston and I have been rewatching Angel and like as wow. you, as you I know and as you get further and further into Angel like the rules of like what vampires can do really changes because is, they just want they, they just, just for for rule of story yeah 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 but anyway yeah. also love also love Angel and No Murphy. it's they're they're great shows yes uh so back to Battlestar so so we've given the basic basic Overview, overview some of the characters of are the characters. sort of the humans they're on the run from robots they're mm -hmm. looking for a planet called earth oh i remember i remember the other the other wine connection i was going to make which Ooh. is kind of a cheat but so there's 12 mm. there are 12 uh quote-unquote colonies quote-unquote colonies they're they're planets um and they're all sort of based off there's uh the the sort of main like america analog is called caprica the sort mm -hmm. of one that's in the sticks is Aralon, there's Tauron. You are getting, I think, the yeah, yes, the it, it sounds very, like... very subtle um, and clever. Um, sort of like Remus Lupin is a subtle and clever yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfie McWolfston. So, Wolfie McWolfston. <laughs> um, I think isn't it literally like Wolf Wolf? Uh, uh, well, I mean, Remus. Remus is one of the the brothers of the who was right. raised by a she wolf. Right. Um, Romulus, who founded Rome, and then Lupin, mm -hmm. Lupus, that, that is a right. wolf. exactly. Yeah. Wolfie so, so Anyway, that has so, nothing to do with Battlestar. No, but uh, but the the different colonies are named for different astrological signs. Yes. And, um, and so my connection to that was going to be, so there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, are really into astrology. 
I think astrology is fun. I don't necessarily believe it, but there are also people who think it's all a load, a load of crap. Sure. So, and that they may be right too. Um, I don't really know. Yeah, I'm on, I, I sort of, I'm sort of in a place of like, I don't really care. There's, yeah. it's like, like anything, it is sort of a way of interpreting the weird battle called life that we're all in. And just like, it might be bullshit. It might not be, but it's kind of fun. Exactly. Why not? It's fun. And so the connection I was going to make is with um, this practice in winemaking that's called biodynamics. Mm -hmm. Because biodynamics is very much in, it's it's a very old practice in farming, actually, that has to do with how you grow and harvest, in this case, grapes, in tandem with the phases of the moon. And it also involves a bunch of weird kind of mystical stuff, like not mystical necessarily, but like burying a horn filled with cow poop in the ground. And like, and so, that and so depending me. on the phases of the moon, exactly. It fascinates me. And there are a bunch of people who think that, um, biodynamics is kind of a load of crap, kind of like, um, sure. But I will say this, you know, the thing about biodynamic winemakers is that at the very least, the winemakers are really, really paying attention to what they're doing. They're paying a lot of, they're, they're putting a lot of care into the wine that they're making hmm. and they're not putting a ton of like pesticides, talking about arsenic, talking about sure. any, like anything less than arsenic um, into the wine. And so often when people, cause I work in a wine store and when people come in and they complain that wine gives them a headache, but they want to try, they still want to drink it. I, I point them towards biodynamic wines because usually those bother people less because there's less crap in there. Hmm. Um, so it's it, anyway, so that, that was a little bit of a, no, a, a but... kind of convoluted connection, but kind of this, like there's a I mean, certain there's, there's, mystical there's, right, and there's It's one and... of those things where like, you know, the the language that we have to describe what we do may not track with logic or with sort of the principles of science but you know you're putting some fertilizer in the ground basically that that can't be bad exactly right? there's um, nothing bad involved in it and like there's nothing bad involved with astrology it's no. like i mean if you follow it a little too intensely maybe and like only anything. live your life according yeah, to that anything. maybe that's a little problematic that would but be really hard because yeah, astrology yeah. is really fake i know <laughs> i know exactly but yeah that and that actually reminds me of, of of how mysticism and how religion is is treated in battlestar there is this real push-pull tension because you have it's it's sci-fi it's television silence so it's 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 bs yeah um, but bsg <laughs> Hey, Battlestar uh, Galactica. Yeah, 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 it was a joke. No, no, okay. I got there you. We got I got you. Again. <laughs> yeah. What did I say? I'm just a comedian. <laughs> it, it made it funnier. Anytime yeah. you explain a joke, exactly, it, just, it makes it funnier. Yeah, it, but um, there, especially in the first season, uh, Baltar seeing visions of um, six of of this mystical woman, and and you know he is very, as a scientist, convinced that it is. A stroke, a chip that is in his head, sort of just a stress response to the mm-hmm. impossible, like genocide that he has lived through. Um, and Six is is telling him that she is a vision from God. And at the end of the day, does it matter? Because she prompts him to make decisions that sort of save the fleet. Right. Um, and this sort of push pull between science and faith is one of the sort of thematic. 
um, axles that the show spins on. And it's the one I think in the end of the day, it serves the, you know, does the least well with, I think sort of, uh, you know, how you keep personal integrity um, under stress and sort of make impossible choices and find humanity in others. Like there are things that thematically the show does, I think it does well and does well consistently. Yeah. Um, but that sort of push-pull between mysticism uh, and logic is something that the show is very concerned with. Um, yeah. And doesn't, you know, has, comes down and has a perspective on, which is really cool. Yeah. Which, again, not to, not to say bad things about Lost, but... <laughs> <laughs> Lost it's not is, fair. Uh, they ran at the I same know, time. I know, I know. But, but uh, Lost is Lost, fascinating. Lost is fascinating as well. I think the way that Lost, not failed, but disappointed a lot of people is that there was also that a very similar tension in Lost between science and faith, and they and they didn't come to as harmonious a solution. I have, I have a rant, which will yes. not live on this podcast, yes. about J.J. Uh, Abrams' theory of the mystery box. Um, right. Which you can Google if you don't know what that is, uh, but just basically the idea that you sort of hold something out to the audience and it's mm-hmm. a mystery box and the audience does not know what's in the box. Right. Um, we've never done anything like that on Wolf 359. Never. Uh, <laughs> never. But I think the thing about approaching a story as a, as a mystery box is ultimately what's inside of it doesn't matter and if what's inside your box doesn't matter then there's a shallowness um to the things you're examining and the story you're telling and Battlestar does know what's in its box and that allows it to be more precise uh both with the narrative and with the characters and how they understand their world yeah um so no mystery boxes no mystery boxes end of rant well um thank you for that rant of course so just to, let's see, how do we wrap this up? I mean, I could, like all of these things, I could talk about Battlestar Galactica for hours and hours and sure. hours. Um, we've talked about, we've talked about this tension. We've talked about, talked about um, a little bit how wine relates to it. Here's and, something yeah. I'm curious about. Because, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> uh, a lot of Battlestar Galactica um, sort of leans on one of the wonderful things about putting something in sci-fi is, is you can isolate people. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any like wines that sort of do well under pressure or in isolation or, mm, or in extreme circumstances, in extreme circumstances? Well, I mean, the first thing that pops into mind, so to speak, um, is talking about under pressure, talking about sparkling wine, which is literally always under pressure once right. it's bottled. Um, but that's a, that's a little bit of a, a stretch. Um, but yes, there are certain grapes that, that do grow well in extreme conditions. Not a ton. Sure. I'm trying to think. But actually, I mean, unfortunately, the relationship is, um, sparkling wine is often, um, made from grapes that can grow in kind of harsh conditions. Champagne, where some of the greatest wine, sparkling wine in the world comes from, 
the landscape of Champagne is actually pretty bleak. Huh. And it's pretty cold up there, and it's not very nutrient-rich soils. It's and and so that lends itself to this certain style of wine, which is very which ends up becoming like the most sort of bubbly, delightful kind of exactly. thing. Exactly, that's fascinating. Isn't that isn't that wow. interesting? Like so many wine regions in the world, you're like, oh, you go there, it's like, oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's you just sort of picture this lush fields. Yeah. Of... yeah, Champagne is not exactly a place that you want to go visit. Like it's, it's not, I mean, I think they've got a great, you know, tourist industry there, but, but really it's about the right growing conditions to make this wine that is then put under pressure. And there's this whole system to making champagne that is quite complex and intense that sort of actually reminds me of the mechanics of like running a Battlestar and... That's so cool. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And then literally, you know, the bottle is under pressure and it could pop at any point. At any point. At any point. Yes. And it has, yeah, everything has to sort of be holding it in. um, Otherwise it will explode. Yep. And that often happens on Metal Star Galactic. It does. It does often happen (laughs) that things explode. Things explode. Yeah. And people explode and people cause other people to explode. There is a whole arc about people yeah um, oh yeah <laughs> that is true. which is it the the opening it's it's unfair they execute one of the best sort of time skips like one year later things at the end of their second season and then yeah the first four episodes of their third season um which at the time it was a really bold sort of analog to what was going on yeah. in the Iraq war um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has has some uh, a narrative of, of humans being under occupation by Cylons. Yeah. And so in a weird way, the Cylons are in the position of like the American army, the, our human characters are in the position of insurgencies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and there are explosions and it's awful. And it's some of the best storytelling I've ever seen. Done. It really, really is. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me and giving me wine. Oh my God, that's what I do. (laughs) I'm the wine giver. And <laughs> you are the giver of wine. I'm the giver of wine. <laughs> um, and you are the giver of uh, insightful comments and thoughtful thinking about Aww. thoughtful thinking again slightly repetitive statement this is what happens when you drink a lot of wine yeah, yeah. i'll take oil. it though yeah um i will take insightful insights thinker. and thoughtful thinkers yeah yeah get some new business cards made um check sarah out do you want to plug any social media sure or anything? um yeah. you can find me on the twitter machine uh at Sarah Shackett, S-A-R-A-H-S-H-A-C-H-A-T. Um, and that is it, because I don't do any do of the it. other ones. Do it, because she's really fun to follow on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Bye, guys. Pairing was created, produced, hosted, and edited by Emma Sherjarko with music, audio recording, and co-hosting by Winston Shaw, and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. If you'd like more information, links, and clarifications on what we talked about this episode, please check out the show notes and visit our blog on our website at thepairingpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month to get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. 
feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website or on any social media platform. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, cheers. Thank you.